0: mom's very insecure about her English. doesn't even answer the phone. Because I guess I after in here for 30 years, you can still mess up. Hello? So I have to wait for the answer machine to pick up the same thing every time. I was like, nobody's home and I'll leave the message. Ooh. Mom and Steve pick up. And she'll pick it up, but she picks it up right next to the answer machine. So she loses mind because of the feedback. It becomes a crisis. She's like, hello? <coughs> hello? <coughs> oh my God. <coughs> tell her to stop. Tell her to stop. <coughs> Call back, backside. I love you. Kink. <laughs> she tells me to tell her to stop. There's nothing more embarrassing than being on the phone in high school, talking to a girl, trying to be cool, and my mom would pick up the phone, because that's not cool. Because my mom, she'd never check if anybody's using it. Just pick it up, put it down, look in a little book, just start dialing numbers. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, Silla, Saturday, we you?" Oh God. And she's dialing like Korea, so there's like 38 extra digits you got to punch in. It's like a half hour later, I'm like, Mom! Still? How are you in Korea? I just saw you.
1: I miss you! My name is Steve Miggs. Our good friend Top Shelf is currently at the V-Mac cleaning out his locker. <laughs> the season's done, he'll be here any second, though. Don't worry about it. We've got the mighty Reverend Enfuego right over there. Hello! And everybody's favorite, Mono Nick. Hi. Hi. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, the comedy stylings of Steve Byrne, who's going to be at the parlor. Ah, par- la- la. I was going to say the Paramount, but he's at the parlor. Parlor. Parlor, and he's going to be there this weekend, and he's going to be on the BJ and Migs on Friday. So I figured nice. that's a good way to get pumped up for uh, Mr. Byrne. He's great. I love that guy. I'm really bummed that uh, that show, Sullivan and Sons, got canceled. Just, I love that it show. It was good. It was really fun. Hell yeah. But before we get to anything, let's do the Jam of the Week, because we got Brent Smith from Shinedown joining us. Jam of the Week, my favorite song off their new record. It's called Outcast. On the Mix Cast,
2: it's in the air, so get your head right. Crawling through the sand, making noise, cracking
0: night. And now they're thinking about the past, I can't ignore nothing less, nothing more. It's all the same as before. I'm just feeding my appetite.
1: Dark and heavy man, that's why this is the jam of the
0: week.
1: This is a stripper song. When Red the Stripper comes in, we gotta recommend this one for her. Oh yeah. At some point we gotta go to the strip club and get the dances that we recommend. I think it's only fair.
3: I can't afford that.
1: Ah, these are freebies. Oh nice. God, he's got such good pipes.
3: Rum cave.
1: We're the outcast, man. The MIGS cast
0: yeah. That's a good name for a podcast. I was just thinking that. The Outcast? The Outcast. Haha. <laughs> That's it, we're changing the name now, oh, Kenny.
2: Around, no shape, forth,
1: Can't you picture Red the Stripper just like slithering Not to you right now? Dang, I'm Red.
0: Well, no, I'm I do, you, and I'm pretty cool with that. Yeah.
2: And
3: clicking
0: her heels on the beat. Click, click, yes. click, click.
2: How?
0: <laughs> so dirty.
1: How much for the VIP room, man?
0: <laughs> More than the 80 bucks Mono Nick has.
1: Yeah. Nick, sorry, we're going to have to leave you behind. That's all right. I'll go buy some chicken or something.
0: <laughs> I'm out. going to go buy some chicken.
1: Deuces. Time to get some chicken. <laughs> or
3: some pot. There's a pot shop right down the street from... Nice. From an (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right across the street now. Yeah. Uncle
1: Ike's. (laughs) Oh, that's the big dog.
3: Yeah. a big one.
0: Does he have multiple locations?
3: I have no idea. I've only driven by that one. But I see there are lighters everywhere on the ground.
0: Okay. (laughs)
1: It's like leaving crumbs. Yeah. Follow the lighters. Where's Hansel and Gretel? Shine Shinedown's one of those bands that dudes still love and chicks love. It. It's like that band that you can take your girl and you can have a good time and still have a good time as well. Yeah, right? Yeah. So are they like the present day 311? Hmm. That's not a bad call. They better not hook up with my ex-girlfriend, though.
3: Ooh, I forgot about
1: that. Yeah. My bad. Oh, jeez. Good...
3: Minute, All right. So That's when he stuck. calls up, be
1: like, stay away from my girl. Yeah, okay.
3: <laughs> what? What, the, what up, Nick? Where's Nick?
1: <laughs> yeah, so any minute now, we're going to have uh, Brent Smith, the front man, the lead singer, the man behind Shinedown. Woo. And he'll be joining us. Uh, they're going to be at the Paramount Theater on March 2nd, which is a Wednesday night, stgpresents.org. Uh, new album, which features that song, The Outcasts. It's, on, uh, it's called Threat to Survival. Have you seen the album artwork for that album? No. Oh, yeah, Toppy. Just kind of. Sorry. Feeling like you want to <laughs> throw in a little second chance, or what is that? No. Uh, uh,
0: <laughs> next on the next, list.
1: Next up on the list. Let's just listen to it. Uh, let me find the album. You made you
0: there it is. There we go. It's like a snake around an egg or something. Oh,
3: that's cool. Ew. How <laughs> did you love?
2: Fall and turn and you can be an I'm angel. not a big
0: fan of snakes. Is that one of your aids. phobias? One of them. Try. One of them. You got multiple. Can't yeah, live in here, velvet, bro. Is that really a phobia? I don't
1: velvet. Like that. Yeah,
3: it, it creeps me out when it gets underneath my fingernails. I've talked about that.
1: What gets them, what freaks you out?
3: Velvet. Oh yeah, I don't on, like that uh, either. Yeah. Corduroy,
1: velvet, any just, of that
3: stuff. I I like flinch just like Steve did. Wow. Or twitch. Yeah. The, uh,
0: the, the old P L P hates uh, the the sound of styrofoam rubbing up against itself. Oh yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I don't <laughs> mind that. Oh, we got
1: the hotline. Oh, hotline's ringing. Hotline. Let's check it out. Hi, this is Steve. Hey, is Miggs there? Yo. I have Brent Smith on the line. Yes, we're ready. Okay, it's you and Migs? Yeah, I'm Miggs. Steve. Oh,
0: Steve Miggs. You're the right. same, same uh, man. The same person. <laughs> Steve and Miggs, one the <laughs> same. Um, uh, just, just one thing. Uh, yeah. If you're going to ask him for any kind of drops, can you ask him before or after you are done the interview? <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> and this is going to have to stop uh, in 10 minutes. Oh, that's okay? perfect. Okay, great. So let me get Brent on line. Thank you. Okay, you're on with Brent
2: Smith from Shinedown. Brent! What's Brent? going on, my man? Not nice.
0: much. How are you,
1: my brother?
2: I'm doing good. It's uh, it's early right now in the uh, West Coast, but I'm happy to talk to you gentlemen. And, uh, yeah, what's
1: uh- happening? Uh, not much, man. We're just jamming out to the record, uh, uh, Threat to Survival. Um, I-, I proclaim my jam of the week is The Outcast," man. The "Outcast" song just hits me in a way. I love that song.
2: I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it was a fun one to uh, put into the the machine when we uh, were recording Threat to Survival, but uh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the love.
1: I, I always, what I've always loved about Shinedown, there's that obviously like there's a, there's a catchiness to your music, but underneath it, there seems to be just always, I, I always get the vibe of just like a dark theme. And, and that song for me is probably why I, I, I gravitate towards it is because it just seems like a, a dark vibe to it. But the whole time you're singing along and you're jamming out to it in the process. Is that something that you think about? Like, Hey, I got some dark stuff. I got some heavy stuff I might want to talk about, but can I deliver it in a way that's like easily consumed for our fans?
2: That's a really really thought out question, man. Thanks for being, you know, uh creative with your uh with your question. Brent, uh, I care, man. I, I into, care about you. I can I can tell. Mm-hmm. I can totally tell. I woke up thinking that this was going to be like, you know, it could possibly go into like the direction of like, you know, the weenie in the butt show. You know, like the Family Guy <laughs> reference. And you totally have squashed that. You've oh, made this actually thoughtful. You I were love you were part of this wedding.
1: We have nine more minutes, man. I can't promise you everything
2: now. Come on, man. You've raised the bar. You've raised the bar. Damn You've it. raised the
3: <laughs>
2: um, well, no, in answer to the question though, um this was a lot more of a unapologetic uh, you know, unapologetic record uh threat to survival. Um and uh, you know, sometimes you'll get you'll get in a studio and you'll start writing material and you'll ask yourself well I don't really have anything to be unhappy about and everything's going pretty good and I I should be respectful of that but then for me I just really am not I'm not hardwired like that um so the the singability of the songs is something that I always think about like when I'm writing the melodies a lot of times I get asked "Does the music come first and then the melody or does the lyric come first and there's not really a structure with shine down with myself and and eric and barry and zach we we don't really go into it with a formula Mm -hmm. um it kind of has to be um i don't want to be cheesy and say that it it comes organically but there there's really no formula it really depends on the mood that we're in that day when each song gets written some songs that we write we think that they're really strong and they're great, and some of them are big, they've, they're just total crap. I mean, that's why we write a lot of songs. I mean, maybe not saying that they're crap; they're just not the you know they're they're just not the best. You know, because you you write a lot of songs. I've always said, you know, write a hundred songs you hope that you wrote 10 really, really good ones and you pray you wrote one phenomenal one and then you kind of basically start over again. I bet if you gathered Um, up all those
0: crap songs, though, and put them out on an album, that one of them would be a mega hit.
2: Maybe. Who knows, man? That's really up to the people. You know, the people are the ones that kind of decide that. Um, uh, But, like, yeah, I mean, the themes that go into what shinedown does as a band and kind of i guess what you would say the brand of shinedown we just are really really honest we write songs from personal experience Um unless we're being asked to write a song for a specific movie that already has a theme and a storyline people will come to us or producers or what have you if we're writing for projects or what have you then we'll write from a different point of view but when it comes to us especially lyrically because i'm the main lyricist i really have to write from personal experience and you know the situations that i've been in over the years the people that i've met Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the, the audience and the fans, because one thing with me is that I'm always making sure that the audience is growing because I want the whole world to know who the band is, but with Threat, um... You know, those songs were 11 scenarios, you know, of where the band was at that place in time. Threats of to Survival took a long time to put together. Um, it was like a 19-month process all in, and that was the writing into the recording all the way into the phase of the mixing and all of that. Plus... Uh, we worked with multiple producers for the first time. Uh, it wasn't just like one producer and a couple of engineers like it had been on the previous records. Um, and then when it went into the mixing process, uh, that was a very unique experience for us on this album because we worked with eight different mixers. Uh, So there were a lot of people involved in the record. It was the first time that we had really ventured out to do something like that.
1: That's crazy to hear because when you listen to the record, it it, it feels, you know, all the songs, everything, the vibe, everything seems to work so well together. If you would have told me before I listened to it that there's, Eight different producers X amount of different mixers I think well this is just going to be a jumbled mess because you know you, there's a vibe of a producer there's a vibe of how it's being mixed but you don't see that you don't feel that with the record was that something like when you're working on you're like man we're taking a big chance here but we have a direction we have a view and and, and, and we're gonna see it through or like how does that I, I would be so terrified if I was in the band and we're like hey we're gonna just experiment with all these different producers.
2: No, we were we were really open-minded about it, and we were pretty fearless about it. And it was actually our idea kind of early on during the writing process when we were uh, just starting to get some of the material written to where we were like, okay, we're starting to get onto to something now. Um, and uh, the question came up, you know, quite frankly, about, okay, producers. And we went through... A very long list, some very traditional producers, people that you would think, oh, yeah, Shine Down will work good with this guy or with this girl, because there's a lot of amazing female producers, too, and engineers. Um, And and then there were some elements of that where we were like, these are some newer producers, they're younger. Um, But what we did was we broke it down to the fact that we just said, we've done one producer with their engineer, quote-unquote, for the last four records. We wanted to do uh we wanted to do it. And what I mean by that is we wanted to work with multiple producers because that's just we felt like it needed to be done. So uh technically like I was saying there's four producers, there's eight mixers. What right. actually made it consistent and why the album even with that many people involved in the process why it has a consistency uh has a lot to do with a man by the name of Ted Jensen. Uh, and Ted Jensen is a mastering engineer that probably all of the great records that you love, uh, going down from bluegrass to country, to rock and roll, to metal, to pop, to freaking polka, to (laughs) dance, to, you know, EDM, any, you know, anything that you can think of stylistically, um, this man, uh, he's mastered those records. Um, and he's a very dear friend of mine. Uh, he's mastered every single one of our records, except for the first one. Uh, but, uh, Ted had a lot to do with that and making it all consistent because, you know, after you've recorded the material, well, you write the music, you write the words, you write the songs, then you record it, then you mix it. And then it goes into mastering. And, um, he had a bit of a challenge with it he knew what we had done going in we spoke a lot about two months leading up to the day that we got to his studio in new york um, but he knew what he was what he was going to do and he knew how it was uh... how it was done and uh... i gotta give my hat off to him you know uh... because ted knew uh... what we had done with the process and he really was a big part of making it sound consistent
1: I'm glad you bring that up.
2: Basically that, all those, basically that all the songs belong on the same record.
1: I, I love that you bring up the mastering process, because I think a lot of people who are just music fans that have never played music or, or gone in a studio and recorded don't understand that process, because it's it's kind of like the unsung hero. It's
2: extremely crucial. It it's is. It's extremely crucial. The mastering is a major, major part of it.
1: I always say when people are like, well, what is that? And I'm like, I'm not very good at being able to explain it fully, what, what it does. I'm like, it just makes things sound cool. It smooths everything out, and it's like the final... It's like the icing on the cake. It makes everything work, and uh, it's cool for you to bring that up because I think people don't realize that there's there's quite a process being put into putting an album out. It's not just going in the studio, recording it, and then throwing it up on iTunes. It's like a lot of things that get involved, and mastering is a massive major part of it.
2: Yeah, and one thing about the mastering side of things, if people want kind of like an overview as into what that means when you master a record, you know, after it's mixed, you want the mix to sound fantastic, but the mastering puts the <clears throat> it puts the sheen on everything on the album and on the music. It's a lot of science. Involved in it, um, it's not something that uh, because Ted himself, he's very much a very musical individual, but he's also um, he's a he's an engineer, he's a technician, he's a he's, it, it, there is a science involved into in it because he's dealing with frequencies, he's dealing with hurt values, um, and not hurt but like hertz, like he's dealing with a lot of numbers, um, and he's looking at frequencies and how they're drawn and how he can bring out the mid range in certain areas and where it needs to be brought out, where the low end. Sits where the high end sits. You know how much of a bump does he need to push certain songs because it depends uh-huh. on what. Especially for us because we use so many different. You know we used eight different mixers, so they all were working in different studios. So he had to make it all consistent. So uh, there's a lot of science involved into it, um, and also the mastering. That's where you put the throttle down because. Um, you know, when you go into master, that's where you decide how loud do you want the record to sound. Yep. And a lot of bands and a lot of artists, you know, back in like 2012, um, they started getting into a little bit of trouble. If you go back and listen to any record that was um, released around 2011, 2012, you know, everybody was mastering everything super freaking loud. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that when a song comes on on the radio, when you've mastered it that loud depending on how many tracks you've recorded on that individual song or how many tracks are on you know all the songs on your record it all of a sudden starts turning into a digital mess, and it gets really muddy, and you can't hear any of the instrumentation. You've got to take into consideration all the factors that are involved with FM compressors for radio, with the stereo system that you're listening to, whether you're doing it through Bluetooth from something you've downloaded, or you're actually putting in a proper CD, you know, and listening to music that way. So uh, there's a lot of science involved in it, and Ted Jensen's a master at what he does, and uh, you know, one thing with Threat to Survival was he asked me, he was like you know because i'll give you an example the the record of ours amaryllis which mm-hmm. was the record before threat to survival i pushed ted quite a bit on that record i made him master it five times because i wanted to keep i wanted it to get louder and louder and louder and there was a point where he came to me and he said i'm gonna have to stop you now and i was like <laughs> why And he was like, because i'm not gonna deal he's like i'm not gonna deal with uh with death magnetic because there was a a story back in the day where Metallica for that record Death Magnetic, you know, because Ted did that record and he really they they the guys in the band, you know, from what I know, they really really pushed him to make it louder and louder and louder and that album, you have to really listen for it, but in certain areas if you turn that album up really loud, it starts to distort and you get what's called digital noise huh. and it actually it starts to um it starts to crackle and pop, and it's inside. And if you push it too far, then all of a sudden the, the you've gotten it loud, but you're also getting what they call digital distortion, and it's not pleasant. So when Ted mastered Threat, I was like, I'm going to let you do your thing, man. You know, you, you sit it where you feel like sonically it needs to sit, and I think he did a brilliant job. You know, it's not Absolutely. mastered Threat, that is, Threat to survive. it's not mastered super loud, and the reason he did that was so that when you put Threat to Survival in like a CD, you know, if you put it in a CD player, and you're in your stereo, or if you listen to even the download, you can actually turn it up really freaking loud, and you can still hear all the instrumentation.
1: Oh yeah, I turned it up really loud. <laughs> I, 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 I'm with you, man. Uh, I know we gotta let you go, because I don't want to get you behind on all of your scheduled interviews and things like that, but it's Threat to Survival, That's a new record, Paramount Theater on March 2nd, STGpresents.org to check out Shinedown. Uh before I let you go, I do want to thank you. Um, we have a, a listener of our show. We, we consider all of our listeners part of our community. And I love hearing how you care so much about your fans. And uh, speaking of Amaryllis, they they named their kid Amaryllis and then unfortunately the kid passed away and uh, uh, Jason and, uh, and and Carrie had an opportunity to meet you and you guys were super cool, took some time I to talk them. to them. I I know yeah. exactly
2: who they are, actually. Yeah, we I, I got a chance to say hello to them.
1: And I just want to thank you for that because we helped set it up, and I, I, it was a way for us to try and bring a smile on their face and didn't expect that it would put that huge of a smile on their face. You guys took it to the next level and and, and did so much for them, and I don't know if you guys realize that. And I, I appreciate it, and I just wanted to thank you for that.
2: It's It was our pleasure. We were so, um, you know – unbelievably sorry to hear that uh you know unfortunately that they had had, had lost the child and you know that they had named them uh you know amaryllis and um, you know life is a journey and you know we t- I remember when I when we met them I just said just take it day by day and uh and try again and I think that uh they uh they respected the the fact that we were like you know we totally can't by any stretch of the imagination even remotely you know uh try to you know act as if we know what you're going through but uh just by the simple fact of getting a chance to meet them and you guys putting that together that was very sweet of you we do care quite a lot about our fans you know we call them our family for a reason yeah. um but that was very very cool of you guys to do that and uh yeah you know people you know people matter they really do yeah, you right. know and uh it's, it's it's one day at a time man in this life if you've been given the gift of life and you're here right now do something with it i think with uh the passing of of Lemmy and David Bowie so close together, you know, these artists that have uh, changed generations, you know, over the years. You know, music is a very, very powerful thing, and that's what I'm getting at. And, yep. uh, you know, we wish, uh, we wish those two, you know, that couple the very, very best. And, uh, yeah, you know, just don't, um, don't take life for granted, you know. Uh, make sure that uh, you live every moment to the fullest.
1: My man, I appreciate everything that you're saying. And uh, we're going to leave you and uh, we were wondering off of the record, which song do you want us to play?
2: I can play any song
1: off the record. Yeah, pick any song right off now. the record and we'll play it.
2: Um, we let's do something, you know what? Uh jam out Black Cadillac, just All for right. the hell of it, you know. Everybody seems to dig that track, so uh it's it's being put into consideration for further uh, use possibly down the line and uh, everyone seems to be digging that one, so uh let that one rip.
1: Let's do that. Okay, we'll play it loud too since we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: you can play it loud as you want, man.
1: All right, brother. I really appreciate you taking the time. Looking forward to seeing you guys when you come back to town at the Paramount on March 2nd.
2: It's my absolute pleasure, and thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time out of your day. And and again, thank you so much for all the support over the years and the continued support. It means the world to us. We never take it for granted. Thanks so much for supporting Shine Down, and you guys just are absolutely the best. Thank you very much for your time and your support.
1: Much love to you, man. Take care. All right, bye-bye. All right, let's check it out. Black Cadillac.
2: I got a mind full of aggravation I can take it if I just relax I say a prayer for the motivation Keep me solid so I stay on track But there's a monkey on my back And he don't know how to act Got me climbing up and down the wall
1: Alright, I see why I people gotta like this one
2: That's
1: how I it starts, man Nice groove the same I was like, Brent, you man might have not given us some
0: kind of quiet song yeah, no ballads, please. And yeah. Rock. Past, Give us the balls.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, this has uh, sing-along written all over it. It's, yeah.
1: <laughs> I could see this song being a monster song. And if not, Cadillac needs to hire this. song. Right? He needs to pay for this song.
0: That'd be a slick commercial. Yeah. I wonder how many songs have been written about Cadillacs. Oh, there's Pink
1: Cadillac and Slick Black Cadillac from Quiet Riot. Oh, no, no. Twisted Sister.
3: One of those two. They get Matthew McConaughey in there, too. That's a Lincoln. That's a Lincoln, buddy. Oh, my bad. Can't cross the streams on that. Dang it.
0: Like a song you you put in when you're getting ready to go on a uh, road trip. Yes, get you pumped up for the road trip. A convertible Cadillac, they got those, right? Sure, why not?
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You can play it loud because it's been mastered properly. <laughs>
0: It was cool to hear him geek out about that stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, will our audience enjoy that? But I'm like,
1: I feel like the people listen to catch are kind of music freaks and they'll find some kind of, in, you know, they'll find a nugget of, of just a of info that they didn't know
0: about. It's like, it's a little bit cooler. He's like, yeah, he knows all the ins and outs, or at least enough to be like, to talk about it. Yeah. Instead of just being like, I don't know, I just rock out, and then yeah. whatever.
1: He hits a button, it cleans it up, and things are cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I love talking studio gadgetry and geeketry. I mean, hell, when we had window paint on, talking to them about that old yeah. 70s knee board
0: uh, from London Bridge Studios. I mean, I know what a board is because we use one, but it goes over my head when you guys are just talking musically. But it's still really interesting because you can hear the excitement in your guys' voice. I'm, I'm even if I don't care about the topic, if somebody's speaking to me with
1: enthusiasm about whatever they're passionate about, I'll listen because it's interesting.
0: Yeah. And I mean, at the very least, you. I mean, even if you don't know, you're really like, well, can you explain something? And if they're already geeking out that much, yeah. you've just like like help them so much You like you're like oh you're actually interested in what i want to say and then they can geek out even more and yeah. they're more enthusiastic
1: oh it's fun it was fun
0: hearing him talk about the studio
1: process for this new record which i really do enjoy and that song great call on his part i understand why people are digging that song it's yeah. a it's a good one it's a good one <laughs> yeah. uh you know i mentioned window pane. uh i went to the window pane show how was that it was awesome those I heard are, there was parties and then after parties and after after parties. Dude, so much weird stuff was going on that <laughs> night, man. I got there. I met up with a few people from the station. We went to Kells. We had some beers mm. and uh, watched the, the the Cardinals game against the Packers. Man, what a that fun game. That was a crazy game. That was a fun game to be in a crowd of people with because the reactions was like a scary movie. Whoa! <laughs> what? Ah! It was awesome. Uh, Then we go on over there, meet some great rockaholics, uh, met met a bunch of Titanic douches. That was pretty cool. Ran into uh, Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve! Um, Also ran into our buddy Nick. Uh, Nice. I got to apologize to Nick. So this is weird story number one. Uh, so I'm hanging out with Nick, and as for those that don't know Nick, he can walk, but he has the help of like a rolling walker that mm-hmm. he also sits on, so it kind of becomes a, a wheelchair in a sense. Yeah, and so we're jamming out, watching windowpane, standing next to each other, and there's this drunk idiot, older guy too. He's just, you know, like some people you could tell like maybe they go out once a year and they just throw it all out there. Oh, and this was that guy, and he's <laughs> and he's having fun with his buddies. I don't care when people are drunk, you know, you're bouncing off of each other. But then he had he decided to make it his mission to try and roll Nick into the main like get closer. Oh. And I think like in his head he was gonna try and like do like the, the you know how like the wheelchair crowd surfer thing? The dude from like Disturbed yeah. does it all the time so and I see, yeah, he hits
0: all the shows. So
1: I see this guy grabbing Nick's roly thing. The, the wheelchair, I'll just call it just for the sake yeah. of making sense. And I'm looking at Nick and I'm like, Oh, well, does Nick know this guy? And Nick has this look of Oh, son of a bitch. Who are like, you? What and the what hell's going on? So now I'm like, buddy, relax. No, he doesn't want to go. And so then he leaves. I'm like, okay, good. Two songs later, same guy, oh
0: my even drunker,
1: trying to pull Nick <laughs> into the crowd. Wow. And I'm like, guy, he doesn't want to go. And he Hold goes, on, hold
0: on. Let me take a shot, and then I'll see if he wants to get <laughs> Linmore into it.
1: <laughs> so then he looks at me, and the guy goes, it's okay. He's my friend. And I'm like, I'm I don't pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's a lie. So I look, <laughs> and I'm like, he's my friend too, and he's not going anywhere. So <laughs> wow. So then I get wow. a. So now like, we're watching the show, and I can't. You can't talk. It's too loud. I mean, we're yeah. like right by a speaker and window panes, just thrashing, man. It's, they were so good. It was such an emotional event. I think for them like even Glenn had to stop for a second and catch himself because it was it was a celebration of them like they let me do the stage announcement I even set it fun. up there um I got a little enthusiastic I'm like it's a celebration of their music let's go buck wild you know and like oh, everyone like, had I fun. took it to heart yeah <laughs> so you know Glenn's like feeling it, everyone's feeling it but so I'm I'm enjoying the music and uh Nick writes something on his phone cuz that was the easier way to communicate and he goes I have no way to get home
0: I'm Oh like, no I'm like what
1: it's like 11.30 at night, man. Oh,
0: bus probably stopped or whatever. So now
1: I'm trying to talk and we can't communicate. And so I, I was like, oh, I'll pull out my phone and I'll write him a letter. <laughs> so now I write on my phone. I'm like, well, how did you get here? And he goes, I took the bus. He writes Okay, back. yeah, yeah. And now it's like it's hard to, like, communicate. And so I'm hoping – I'm, I'm sure he's listening. So I could further explain it. I was like, okay, thinking my first instinct was, all right, I'll – even though he lives way up north, I'll just give him a ride. Whatever, I don't care. My wife's asleep; she's not going to know when I get home, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Then I realized- pick up some food on the way home. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was trying to rally. It's a long drive. I was trying to rally the troops to go hit dicks and out oh, nice. Dick Spady. Yeah, we should just crush some burgers. Oh, heck yeah! So now I'm like, okay, I'll offer him. And then I realize, oh my god, I have all of my hockey gear in my back seat, so I can't fold the seat down. <laughs> and in my front seat is stacked with boxes. Of stuff I needed to get to my in-laws. Oh gosh! So I have no room for anybody in my car other oh, than me. Man. So I was like about to be like, I'll be your. I can't be your hero unless I just throw away stuff that's I can't you throw just away. Can't do yeah. And there's no like. I mean, my car was packed. Like I couldn't even see out the back. Like it was just like one of those experiences oh. where I'm like, <laughs> I never took my hockey gear out. I was in a rush. Oh, then to make things even weirder. So I run to my buddy Torben, who's a hockey buddy. We've talked about him. He's the guy when we talked about the draft tournaments. He's the guy that loves to just crush big giant like pancakes and oh God. fun guy. Oh, that sounds good. So I see him there, and he had no one to go with. So I'm like, dude, hang out with me and all the coworkers. Like, and he's like geeking out because he's a big KSW fan as well. So cool. he's meeting some people and he's having a few drinks, and I lose track of him. So then I'm like, oh man, I don't know. Maybe I should try to give him a ride or whatever. But I couldn't find him, so I, and I had to go. So I get a message from his wife, because usually when I see him, like I think his wife will pick him up. or Because mm-hmm. I saw him at Motley Crue, and I'm like, how are you getting home? Because he had a few beers. And he's like, I'm like, I'll give you a ride. He goes, oh, no, no, my wife's coming to pick me up. So I didn't think about it. Hindsight's going to be 20, 20 when I tell you what I'm talking about. Uh-oh. I get a message from his wife when I wake up the next morning at like 6 a.m. I get up, and I look at my phone, and it's a, my, uh, a MySpace Facebook message. And she's <laughs> like, it is at 4 in the morning she sends this. And goes, hey- do you know what time the show ends? Tormund's not home yet. Uh-oh. I'm like, whoa. Still is- going. Yeah, oh. right? So I'm like, I write her back. I'm like, I. the show ended around midnight. I just got your message. I'm sorry. Is Did he get home? She goes, yeah, he got home. He got mugged. Oh, my- no. What? Oh. So apparently he left the venue, gave somebody, he gave a homeless guy some money. And a group of people followed him and, and attacked him from behind. And I saw the picture he posted his face, like a broken nose, Jeez. bloodied face, ribs hurt, because he already hurt his ribs playing hockey from one of those tournaments. And apparently his hands were all messed up. He remembers like connecting a bunch of punches with some of these guys. Like he's wow. a big dude. Like you And I'm like, two people. You know, like weird things are going on. Yeah, it was a weird night. Like it was a fun night, but like the next day, I'm like, "Wow, there's some weird stuff going." on. Was it a full moon? Right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Mercury and retrograde. (laughs) Need to say Nick got home safely. His I guess his parents picked him up. Awesome. got home eventually, and you know, worse for wear. But yeah, uh, yeah. it's just sad, man. It's sad that you can't enjoy a night out in downtown Seattle, and Leave a club thinking everything's cool, and then you get attacked.
0: Right? Yeah. That's crap. That's a
1: sketch area, man. Like, I, I'm i yeah, on Bell high alert. Belltown's right
3: around there, isn't yep. it? And that's one of the worst crime
1: rates around. And then, I mean, you're just right up the block. I mean, that, that, that Pike, that Pike yeah. Street so dirty. on 1st to 3rd is just like- It's nasty. Man, I'm always on high alert, especially when I'm with my wife. Like, it's yeah. just-
3: There are weird Even people. Even in the middle of the day, it's scary. Like, we go down there for lunch every once in a while. Right. And I'm- i make sure every, there's nothing in sight in the cars and stuff like that when we're leaving the car. I just don't know if someone's going to get broken into, if we're going to get jacked.
0: Yeah. Like, My I buddy worked on no, I ne- second and uh, overnights. And it was like second in bell, just right around there. And more than a couple times, his car's broken into, and he didn't have anything. They took his change, like the change that was sitting in the middle thing. His phone charger. Yeah, (laughs) they would bust it for a phone charger. Why do you do that? Right. Phone chargers aren't even that. They're all pieces of crap anyway.
1: You just go to an airport and find someone to sleep who's charging their phone and take that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Don't break a damn window. That's the the worst part is you're breaking somebody's window that costs hundreds of dollars to fix for what? I oh, parked
1: like, in one of those oh. parking lots conveniently right next door to the Deja Vu. <laughs> not that I <laughs> went in there or anything. <laughs> of course
0: not. It's a I good spot to park, though.
1: It, I like parking in that area because sometimes you see strippers walking
0: around. Going
3: <laughs> to work. I don't in the back work. alley. Yeah.
1: Uh, and they got a parking attendant there, yeah, so parking that's nice. Attended, which is yeah. why I did that. I'm like, you know, it's 15 bucks, oh, but peace call, of mind because yeah. I did have hockey gear. That Sheesh. Yeah, which, had a box
3: in the front seat <laughs> with stuff in it.
1: it which, again- <laughs> Worthless to anybody other than my family, right? But it's a box of stuff, smash and grab. Yeah, exactly. So I was just like, I I, I was all like, my gears were turning the next day. I'm like, this is so effed up, man. You can't just, can't just have a fun night, man. It was a fun night. It should have been. That's how it should have ended. And I'm bummed for my buddy that he got mugged, and they only got like a few bucks. I think he said like thirty
0: dollars, but
1: still, crap. crap.
0: Yeah, I remember getting mugged for uh, orange juice once, because that's all I had. I went as walking in grade school. Uh, pretty well. I was I was in like seventh or eighth grade, and I was uh, uh the family needed some orange juice. I think there was a party, and uh, people are making the old uh, screwdrivers, and so I was so they tasked sent you off to go get they, the orange I juice. I was tasked to go to the Seven Eleven and get orange juice, and I was like, all right, fine. Walk down there. Passed up some people, uh, paid no mind to them, went and bought my orange juice, started walking back. Of course, they hung around, got, be- you know, got behind me, uh, threw a couple punches, and they were, like, Jeez. all over me. And I'm just like, hey, stop hitting me so I can take out my money. They all stopped. I had, like, two bucks because they only got, like, a couple bucks to go get the orange juice. And then they jacked the orange juice and ran. I was like, so well, that's mimosas great. or brass monkeys, you think that they were making? <laughs> brass monkeys. Brass monkeys. Yeah. Manmoses. Manmoses. Yeah, there was and I heard it too. It was like, "Quick, quick, grab the orange juice." And I was like, "Man, why would you grab the orange juice?" <laughs> Cuz I got 2 bucks and they wanted something for Maybe
1: it. Maybe they were battling a cold and they just needed some more vitamin C. <laughs> yeah. Jerks. Seriously, big jerks. That's the one thing that always pisses me off is like the mugging stories. Oh, yeah, I've had it happen when I grew up. I've I've shared these stories, so I'm not going to bore you guys with them again, <laughs> but getting mugged and, you know, I had a like 40 bucks in my pocket because I was going to go to band practice and I had to pay for the space so I had to like chip in some money and I just gave them my bus fare and I still had more change in my other pocket and they pulled a knife. It was a group of them that surrounded me and I was able to get out of that and then on the bus, of course, me being an Jackass! I'm yelling out the window, you didn't get this money from me, mother effers. And, you know.
3: We are now. <laughs> and they start running, and I'm
1: like, oh, please, God, let there not be a stop in the very near future. <laughs> um, you know, why don't we do the voicemails, the emails, and the text messages? Toppy, of course, you don't hear him right now. He was there for the shine down, but he had to go run back and get some more stuff out of the V-Mac, I guess. I and mean, <laughs> he forgot a couple of cleats. I think so. he may have to poop, and it's yeah. the last time he gets to poop at the VMAC. That is true. The pooping at the V-Mac is clutch. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Oh, yeah. It got serious. Steve is the master. We're the ghetto blaster. He's going to run because he's fresh. He does it all the
0: time. So we sit and we pray for what you all gave. With your words and with your voice that you all send by your choice. And sometimes I rap with what don't fit. And it's time for messages. So let's knock it out on linkity split, dogs.
1: Steve Miggs messages <laughs> fresh from the hood. Bloop, bloop.
0: <laughs> fresh yep. from the hood.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rev, what do you want us to do?
0: Text messages. Text messages. We
1: got one. And it all it asked is, uh, did you read the letter that the woman wrote about Cam Newton pulling the flag down? <sighs> you know what? Let's get into it real quick. Mm, I yeah. think we all probably have the same opinion. It. <sighs> I hope so. Sarah, you're making us all look bad.
0: Yes. Anybody, yeah, like the only people who, are, who should be commenti- commenting on whether that was classy or not are the people who are on the field yeah. dealing with it.
1: Like Luke saying that he thought it was childish this morning on the end zone with Luke Wilson. Completely acceptable. I he was at the that. game. Can't argue that. that. That's a player. I just hate when everybody's trying to make Seahawks, fans, players look like they are on a higher level than any other team. And it just makes the fan base and the team look terrible. So when you're like, they're classless, Seahawks would never do something like that.
0: It's Like like I mentioned today,
1: (laughs) a lot of people thought Doug Baldwin's antics in the Super Bowl were very classless. A lot of people think Richard Sherman going off after that game against the the 49ers about being the best corner in the game. Kind of classless. I'm not saying it is or isn't. Uh, I thought it was entertaining. I also thought what Cam Newton did I don't like Cam Newton
0: one bit but I didn't think it was anything bad he's 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 playing to the crowd and he was so stoked they're going on to the next game right. they just won he was again and he is such he's such a crowd favorite there he goes and he right. gives balls to the kids even though he gets fine he does all this stuff let him just let him have his moment you know
1: I always love them people on uh on uh, <laughs> Facebook are like. Yeah, you know why he gives balls to those kids? Because his coach told him to.
0: And I'm like, oh,
1: no
0: good, no good deed goes yeah. without
1: people questioning it. It's like
0: people when they're questioning Russell Wilson, like, why does he really go to Children's Hospital every Tuesday? Right, there must be some reason. And we
1: talked about that recently. How I shared my opinion that you do that once or twice for PR reasons. When you do it all the time, and you see some of these kids that you went to visit, and they die. You would not want to go back again if you're doing it just for PR. He's doing it because out of love of his own heart. And somebody actually texted in going, I know a nurse, or I know someone who knows a nurse there, and they say that he only visits patients that aren't terminally ill. I'm like, oh, is that so? Because I never read an article about a girl that he went to and agreed to be her uh, godfather, and then she died the next day or something like that. That that was just a fabric fabricated oh, yeah, in the news. Sure, totally. Like I just, I'm so sick of people just wanting to just crap on everybody's parade. Oh yeah. Um, but this Sarah woman, and I know, hey man, your heart's in the right place, you care, but you don't speak on behalf of all fans. You make <laughs> everybody look stupid. It's an embarrassing letter, like. I'm a Seahawks fan. I believe blue and green. Although I'll be the first to tell you that today we did not bring our A game and we were beat fair and square. There's one thing, though, and one thing that needs to be said. My newsfeed is filled with you, Mr. Newton, and not in a good way. A video of you pulling a 12th flag down and throwing it to the ground like garbage. You're the one that people, you see, the one that people don't realize is Seahawk fans aren't just fans. The 12th man is a community, a family that, regardless of winning, stand behind our team and our community. Because no other fans for no other team does that. (laughs) God, no. You see, Cam, disrespecting that 12th man flag isn't just disrespecting our team, it's disrespecting the fans that back our team. A community that feeds and clothes the homeless, a community that raises funds for families in hard times, a community that helps a three year old girl battle cancer, a community that has more grace and respect that you can imagine. Imagine, you see Cam, and it's like it goes on and on. You can't
0: see my eyes rolling, but they're
1: rolling. Look, all the things you're saying (laughs) that the The fan base (laughs) do is awesome and is commended and I think is amazing, and it's awesome that a team brings a community together that then in turn does
0: great things, but shut up. Just every, shut up. Every community or every football team has that. They have a right. community, whether it be large or small, that do this. I'm, All of them do it. I'm sure there's Panther fans out there that do it. Yeah. Sure, there's, there's even Raider fans there that might, do there's it. There's
1: even Cleveland Brown fans than, that uh, do I, it. I bet the dog pound <laughs> might even do a nice thing every once in a while. Just stop it. Like, just stop it's just, do not, like I said this morning, do not compare the 12th man flag to the American flag. Oh, I love the 12th man. I love the vibe. I love, I have a 12th man flag. I have it in my garage. You know what I mean? But ne- if I needed to get rid of it, I'm not going to burn it in a proper ceremony. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. Or Stop. Just stop. Stop trying to make our fan
0: base look better than other people's fan bases. Because what you're really doing is making us look stupid. Yeah. You're making yourself look like a weird elitist snob. And, I mean, we already have that.
3: Here are my two cents on Cam Newton doing that. Um, He named his kid the chosen one. Like, (laughs) what did you expect him to do?
0: You know what? That's a good point, too. And, I mean, watching him play – is amazing. Like watching it this whole season. He's
3: really good, but that first down move the pylon thing <laughs> every single time <laughs> right. was getting on my nerves, and it should have because they yeah. yeah. we were horrible. Yeah, and he, yeah he was. Just, oh. He deserved to do it.
1: I wanted someone to throw a football that goes through his <laughs> helmet, hits him in his face, and, and maybe chips a tooth. A damn just that big Superman cram.
3: smile. I was just like, what is that? That is driving like, me. That Argh! pissed me off more than pulling the flag down.
1: But the way we talk about Cam Newton and the annoyance that we have for Cam Newton is like uh, i could imagine there's a San Francisco 49ers fan in San or uh, maybe a group our buddy baby huey and his buddies are doing a podcast and they're probably talking about and then there's that richard sherman and you can't even see what he's saying but you know he's saying something arrogant i hate that guy it's like players like cam newton like richard sherman are guys that you hate if they're on another team, but you would embrace 100%. Absolutely. If Cam Newton was the quarterback of the Seahawks and had and, and brought the Seahawks a 15-1 season, let's just say Russell Wilson doesn't exist, and Cam Newton's our quarterback, and he gives you the season that he just gave you when everybody doubted this team, said they were going to be 7-9, and nine. you're telling me you're not going to just love everything that that guy does?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Come on.
1: And if he pulls down like a 49ers flag and throws it on the ground at CenturyLink, you don't think.
0: Oh, fans... that's war. That's war. Sorry, it is totally different. That's a totally different thing now. Right.
1: Let's not forget <laughs> certain fans throwing Skittles at players getting carted off the field.
0: <sighs> yep. Let's not. People throwing beer cans at Ben Roethlisberger when he got almost taken out of the c- game completely. Right. People tossing popcorn at
1: a Hawks game and on a player as he's being. I mean, there are bad fans for every fan base, and I hope that we don't be. Seahawks fans aren't defined by those idiot fans, but let's not also act like we're holier than thou. No, we're just fans, man. We're all flawed, Brah. Yeah, brah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's our <laughs> only text. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at the time. We got meetings to get into. Ah. We should probably, you know, we should probably wrap things up and and, and be good. No, oh, we're late. not
0: going to get any uh, any uh, 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 random complaining voicemail. You, know, you want to do one? Won't we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll even do the intro. Let's just hit
1: the first voicemail, and if it let, let's see what happens. Steve. This is Ziggy. i oh. just had a religious experience. I might have to change my name to Farouk or something now. But, I was there in bed at night, where you are at night, in <laughs> bed, sleeping. Yes. And then this bright light shone upon me. And there's this figure, and this voice from the heavens. And, and it was God. And God said, My son, I have sent upon this world. It's shepherd of salvation. And then like Gabriel blew his trumpet again for the eighth time. And then God spoke once more and said, And you will know him.
3: And then God was like, And his name is Johnson.
1: (laughs) And I was like, Oh my god, and the scene of Five Knuckles shuffled me from the heaven, and it was good. (laughs) Why? I was like, what the <laughs> F is you talking, talking about? Okay,
0: yeah, we just, okay, yeah, this is where those voicemails are going to go. I do think we dare awesome. try
1: one more. One more. We got one minute. Oh, we could do it. It's going
0: to get weird. All right, one hey more. Hey, guys.
1: In- it's the ugly goaltender. I have a public service announcement for you. I'm just sitting here eating a whole thing of macaroni and cheese, and I notice on the box it says you need four
0: tablespoons, that's what it says, of margarine. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: You don't need that much. You only need two tablespoons of margarine. That's the job, just <clears> the <throat> same. All right, well, I'm going
3: to go play Fallout. Suck it. <laughs> nice. Guy's Use hot. butter next time. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> right. What the hell are those? I don't know. I now want one more. Morbid curiosity. <laughs> Let's do it.
3: I've got something to vent about. you yeah. go. What makes you think you can take the handicapped stall just because you want that stall? You can't do that. You're not handicapped. What happens when a handicapped person walks in? They have nowhere to go. They have, they have to wait. wait for you doing yeah. doing your business. Mm-hmm. I'm not even handicapped I'm just big and I think I should have more right to that than you
1: yeah you is alright you know on that note <laughs> and done sometimes we can push it a little too far <laughs> and that fart <laughs> becomes a poop
0: <laughs> I believe that's just at what at least happened. you were in the uh, stall at that point <laughs> yeah sorry There's I'm a taking up your stall. stall we lost it
1: <laughs> I
0: try not to use that stall but sometimes you got to I need the leg room man <laughs> I
1: gotta stretch it out all right, it's been a fun one. Huge <laughs> thanks to Brent Smith from Shinedown for kicking yeah. out with us. That was awesome. Their new album is out now, so go pick it up. Duches, Duches. It's great to see some of you over at the windowpane show. Hopefully, we'll be uh, meeting together sometime in the very we near future. So, for Top Shelf, man, he must be uh, talking to Jermaine Curse right now. He's <laughs> very emotional. For the Reverend and Fuego, And for Mono Nick, I am Steve Miggs. This is the Miggs Cash. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening and stay positive.